Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. going on everybody welcome in to underground sports philadelphia episode number 378 it's kb and matt coming at you from underground studios we got a lot to dive into ironically a ton of baseball to talk about in the month of november we're going to talk about this sixers team kind of just falling down a mountain right now and uh of course we'll get into our buffs and snuff survivor segment at the end of the show so stick around for that but before we get started big thank you to our sponsors who make this show happen, Main Auto LLC, Douche Arms Pro Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Guys, weirdly enough, Black Friday is next week. I was just talking about this with some of those like, you know, like next week is Thanksgiving, and they, they didn't believe me. They had to look it up on their calendar. Cause it is- yeah. Like November has flown by. It's a big old sneak attack, and uh, you got to get those gifts in early. Black Friday, Cyber Monday, right around the corner. Get some early shopping done with our friends at Tomahawk Shades. You guys can fill up your cart with sunglasses, blue light glasses. They got hoodies, t shirts, hats, watches, everything you can imagine. TomahawkShades.com. And when you go to checkout, use our promo code USP. You get 25% off your entire order. At TomahawkShades.com, they still have their warehouse sale boxes available. I mean, you can't beat getting $225 worth of product for $100, and then 25% on top of that, you're getting seven, you're paying $75 for $225 worth of stuff. You can't beat it. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. Our friends at Stateside Urban Craft Vodka, who the Sixers make us feel like we need to crack open uh, some stateside almost every single night. You guys can get the vodka soda party packs at statesidevodka.com. Uh, and if you want to support the show, use promo code USP at checkout when you have the one liter bottles of vodka in your cart. It's the first actively hydrating vodka on the market. You can't beat it. It's got the same active electrolytes as that sports drink that starts with a G. Tom or uh, statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21 or older to purchase. And of course, please drink responsibly. And our friends at Kenwood Beer, go to KenwoodBeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know? We uh, we got a lot of baseball to dive into because, uh, first things first, he's back. The GOAT is back. The Philly Fanatic debacle is over. The, uh, the Fanatic that everyone claims started. This year, pandemic uh, is probably being thrown into a locker somewhere because the Phillies and the original creators of the Fanatic have come to terms on a deal where the Phillies can now use the original Fanatic, which they could have done back in 2019, 2020, if John Middleton just decided to pay for it. But unlike, uh, you know, being the owner that you would think he would be, 
he addressed the fanatic just like he does this roster and didn't want to pay up and just decided to make minor changes like he did to the bullpen. And uh, we had that weird Mickey Mouse fanatic for a year and a half, but the original is now back. Yeah, it's always good to just drag your feet on something like this and then ultimately submit a year and a half later. It is the end to a very strange timeline in fanatic history, and I'm glad it's over. I'm glad we have the original one back, and I'm also glad that we don't have to, like, I won't ever have to see again a picture of the new one with, like, I want the old fanatic back, because that was just as exhausting as yes. not having the old fanatic, was constantly being reminded that the old fanatic was there. Just a, a bizarre time to like who who else has gone to litigation over the <laughs> the rights to their mascot and had to change them and how they looked in order to get out from paying a settlement which they ultimately paid anyway only a team that's been around since 1883 brother in what 11 winning seasons in that time <laughs> uh, two world series championships um but the original fanatics back um i mean first of all it was stupid of the Philadelphia Phillies organization to not just pay up whatever the original creators wanted. I saw both sides of the argument, but it's a drop in the bucket for the Phillies front office to just say, here's the money. We understand where you're coming from. Let's keep our mascot. But no, they went the alternate route. And it's like when they, when they remade the teen Titans on cartoon network, you had the original teen Titan show that everybody loved. And then teen Titans go came out and, you know, it's obviously marketed uh, to a different audience, but they didn't look the same. And that's exactly what the Philly Fanatic was. You had Teen Titans go Philly Fanatic rather than your original. Um, and it's like the original was around for everything. That's the f mascot that got into the fight with Tony. Uh, uh, not Tony LaRussa. I am totally blank. The uh, Tommy Lasorda uh, from the Dodgers where Tommy Lasorda just hated the Philly Fanatic. Um you know, was there for the World Series championships. It, it's one of the, it's a Hall of Fame mascot. It's in the Mascot Hall of Fame. And it's one of the most iconic, just like, pieces of pop culture of all time. And you went and changed it up to make it look like a dodo bird rather than what it is. And uh, I'm just glad that, like you said, the whole debacle's over and we have the OG back. Yeah, that's, that's mainly what I'm happy about. And he is an iconic well, it, <laughs> they, the fanatic, is uh, an iconic mascot. F now full of them in the city. You have the fanatic and gritty. Gritty, I don't think gets made if we don't already have the fanatic. Yes, gritty is like a, I don't know. It's not quite. It's like you, you know, in Pokemon when they started getting weird with it, and they're like, <laughs> um, there was like other islands mm -hmm. and like based on those islands, they were like, Oh, well, they evolved different. Like gritty yeah. is an evolution, like not an evolution of like fanatic does not evolve into gritty, but gritty is like a delineation in the species yeah. from the fanatic. <laughs> is, gritty is like a, a fanatic variant. He's the, what the Alolan, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and like so many, and I didn't even realize, like I was reading like, uh, I think Matt Breen put an article out in the Inquirer, like the the fanatic create like the people who created the fanatic for the Phillies, like they created like the original Miss Piggy, like all of these iconic like quote unquote puppets and just like mascots and and characters and you know they deserve their due. The fanatic is a is a cash cow in terms of just like marketability for this team. You see the hats all over the place now. 
you know, the the Dangle Fanatic hats. You at one point had like the Fanatic Build a Bears. Like Fanatic is something that you know kids gravitate towards. It's something that's nostalgic for people that when they get older, it's like, oh yeah, like I love the Fanatic. You created a whole you know inflatable uh, mascot gang to go along with him, and you know whenever a mascot has a quote unquote birthday, you always see the Fanatic there. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad we had the original back. I think that's that's really what we're after here. Philly social team also did a fantastic job uh, welcoming the fanatic back with multiple pop culture references. They used the uh, Michael Jordan "I'm back" uh, letter. They did the iconic uh, everybody watching the TV at the bar, <laughs> and the fanatic was there celebrating. And then on their Instagram, uh, they posted the iconic uh, video meme of. Big Bird knocking the door down, and it's just standing there. It was the fanatic behind the door. Um, so great job by the Phillies social team. I know Dave Katai was in charge of a, a ton of it. He does a ton of video stuff for the Phillies. Um, so props to them. But where do you think they kept the original fanatic costume? Because obviously they weren't going to get rid of it. They knew this was like going to be an ongoing thing. But where do you think they kept this thing? That, like, that warehouse in Indiana Jones. <laughs> guarded by top men it was in the hyperbaric chamber next to Walt Disney's head probably in John Milton's sex dungeon or something (laughs) (laughs) it was in the cigar closet yeah probably reeks (laughs) smells like bath water and cigars and all of John Middleton's money (laughs) yeah that's where he keeps it instead of keeping it in his mattress he keeps it in the fanatic costume um but there were early rumors that were dispelled right before we uh, started uh, recording this episode. There was rumors Justin Verlander wanted to go to a team that was on the East Coast, uh, that trained in Florida. And I was like, oh, this is like prime Phillies. This is very on brand for the Phillies, too, to go sign a guy that's older in age, give him you know, a boatload of money. And uh, he probably turned into Jake Arrieta if he signed did, here. Did you make your career in the heartland of America as a pitcher? <laughs> Were you great seven years ago? Come be a Philly. And uh, he decided he's going to go back to the Astros, confirmed and announced by his brother, um, which I was going to try to get his brother on the show next week if Verlander was still a free agent and be like, hey, how does he feel about the city of Philadelphia? Uh, but Verlander's going back to the Astros. Uh and one pitcher the Phillies don't have to worry about going into next year that used to play for the New York Cicadas. Noah Syndergaard's going to Avengers Campus, and he's going to the L.A. Angels. That's it's a rough scene for those Mets. <laughs> I was I, I thought this would be rivers of champagne and happiness and joy, and you've lost one of your best pitchers. To ever come through. Must hurt. Must hurt a lot. I was hoping he was going to join up with Zach Wheeler and come join us, but he's going to go out with Mike Trout. and with $21 uh, million? $21 million for one year. I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, and to be in a, California. Not a, not a bad deal. Um, yeah, good for the Angels. Uh, but I feel like Finally the Angels, addressing pitching. I feel like the Angels do this every year, though. Yeah. And it's like they make like one really good signing, and everyone convinces themselves that the Angels are going to like have this great year. And then they're like out of the playoff race in July. Yep. It happens every year. Josh it's, Hamilton. It's that same. I know we've said it before, and I know it's not our joke, but it's the uh, every every day I get on Twitter and see that Mike Trout did something that hadn't been done since uh, 
Ty, uh, Ty Cobb. Ty Cobb. And that Joe Tani just did something that has never been done in the history of baseball. Is they lost 11-2 to the Tigers. Like... <laughs> yeah. It, Josh Hamilton, Albert Pujols, yep. Anthony Rendon, CJ Wilson, and now Noah Syndergaard to go team up with two of the best baseball players we've ever seen in our life and probably will miss the playoffs again. Feels bad. Feels bad for the old angels. That's what I always say. You know, Phillies, it's pretty it's really tough funny here. for the Mets, though. It is hilarious. It's really funny they for the Mets. They just continue to lose their guys. Because even with the allure, 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 allure of lots of money and supposed success on the horizon, guys are just walking. They want out. Mets are going to Met, dude. I'm telling you. 2030, I will worry about the Mets. After yeah. 15 years, they will rise from their grave and be of relevance until then not interested Nothing. don't care um but speaking of former Mets and our beloved Zach Wheeler was up for the Cy Young Disgusting. Award and right before we started this episode I was hoping we were going to come on here and pop champagne bottles and celebrate Zach Wheeler's Cy Young win uh but he gets absolutely snubbed by Corbin Burns and I'll, I'll say this I think Corbin Burns wins the Cy Young this year because the votes were super close, and we'll get into all the, the breakdowns and stuff, but it's because the Brewers made the playoffs. Again, the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at GetInTheWholePod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I, that's the only argument to be had here is that Corbin Burns and the Brewers made the playoffs. Zach Wheeler and the Phillies did not because arguably Zach Wheeler had a, com- a comparable year was fantastic. Best year of his career. Um, he and Corbin Burns had the same amount of first place votes. Corbin Burns got a few more second place votes. Zach Wheeler got one more third place vote, three more fourth place votes. And if I ever find who the loser is that gave him a fifth place vote, you have an open invite to come on this podcast and explain yourself. I, I think putting him outside of your top three is so is so Absurd. disingenuous and wrong. Like, and I'm not even saying that. Like, is he was all right. Listen, even if he's not your number one, there's no way he drops to five. No, there's no shot that he drops to five with the season that he had. I that is just I'm incredulous. Malpractice. Like, <laughs> this goes back to a bit we had. Why do new media people not have votes on this? Yeah, the John Boys, us, all that good stuff podcasters and and youtubers and stuff like that should have votes on this kind of stuff in this day and age but i digress uh corbin burns wins with 151 overall votes zach wheeler had 141 and then max scherzer finished with 113 walker bueller had 70 brandon woodruff had 21 uh kevin gosman had seven adam wainwright and julio urias had three and then Jacob DeGrom, everybody's self-glorified best pitcher in baseball, got one fifth-place vote, and he pitched like two months of the season. Um, that one is egregious to me because I – That's – I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous that he's getting a vote like for all, for any of it. Like, like, is Jacob DeGrom's dad, like, write for the New York Post or something, and that's where that vote like came Jacob from? Like, Jacob DeGrom is great and had a good 
fifth of the season that he played but like that's where was just he after it. memorial day and it's not his fault that he got yeah. injured you know but like you should like it's also not zach wheeler's fault that he got it you know like it's no one on this list's fault that he got injured so he shouldn't be getting a vote mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous decision now, those are the people that should not have votes anymore yeah. if you're, if you're going to be that stupid and not take it seriously shouldn't shouldn't be we're like i can understand why the one person who gave kevin gossman a third place vote i can understand that from a sense he was the best pitcher on the Giants this year. The Giants had the most wins in baseball. They made the playoffs. Gabe Kapler, manager of the year. Um, I can see the justification. No one more deserving that. for manager of the yeah. year, by the way. I can see the justification in, in Gossman getting a third-place vote. But also, to give nine third-place votes to Walker Bueller, who Zach Wheeler, leaps and bounds, had a better season than, is incredibly stupid. To give him two second-place votes is incredibly stupid. And... Just, I I just don't understand where this voting came from on the the lower tiers that snubbed Zach Wheeler with Cy Young. So I I just wanted to look at the numbers. Um, here's what's frustrating is Zach Wheeler I think is just as good had just as good of a year and did it on higher volume. Uh, Zach Wheeler had by the way a, a league leading 213 innings pitched. Where is Corbin? He's got what have we got here? A hundred and sixty-seven. So you're talking like, like a significant, almost fifty-inning difference between the two in terms of volume. Uh, Zach Wheeler led in complete games and shutouts, in strikeouts, in batters faced. Uh, had a higher WAR. Like, I, I just don't know. Like, where where you? Like, how how are you differentiating between the two? And I just think Zach had the better year. And, and here's I know a- that that's going to sound like a homer, but I think that he, he he had the better season because he did everything as good as Corbin did mm-hmm. and did it just like having to carry the team yes. and having to pitch more and face more batters and do complete games, which Corbin Burns had zero. It's zero complete games this year. Never had to go the distance. Like, I don't know, man. And Nick Pollock, uh, at PitcherList on Twitter, uh, he's the it's the official account of PitcherList.com, he tweeted this, and I think this is the take of the night. Zach Wheeler threw 27% more innings with an ERA only 12% worse than Corbin Burns. Wheeler had a 2.73 ERA and 213 and a third innings pitched. Burns had a 2.43 ERA and 167 innings pitched. He said, I'm glad wins don't matter anymore for the Cy Young Award, but I feel we've gone too far. Innings pitched in ERA should count greater than under the hood stats for the Cy Young. Because you're having to do so much more. 50 innings is a lot. That is, at a minimum, six games. Because you're like you're not, you're not doing like, you know, like that's... And then a follow-up a tweet from... complete difference in volume. And from Foolish Baseball at Foolish BB on Twitter said, best way I could put it is that Wheeler got 139 more outs than Burns. Yeah. And last time I checked, a pitcher getting outs is kind of the name of the game. It's literally what you pay them to do. So, I every, everything, every statistic in my mind really favors Zach. Obvious, and here's the thing. Here's what's frustrating too is like Corbin Burns is going to obviously lead the league in, in some things that mm-hmm. – 
when you have a smaller sample size, it's e it's easier, of course. Exactly. Like you're obviously gonna have a higher FIP, right? Your ERA is obviously gonna like you have the chance for it to be much better looking than someone else's if you're pitching six less games than them. Like it's just it's stupid. Like if you just dropped like Zach Wheeler's like z six games and get, like where does that put him in that standing? Like you're punishing a guy for essentially being like good. Yes, and <laughs> I've always viewed the Cy Young as just MVP for pitching. Pitching. That's that is really the spirit it takes of the award. A movement of mountains for a pitcher to win the MVP. So I completely agree. Like the Cy Young is the. So MVP. you tell me who was more important to their team this year, Zach Wheeler or Corbin mm -hmm. Burns? The Phillies could not buy a win without Zach Wheeler. without Zach Wheeler. And there was a time in the season where if Zach Wheeler was pitching, there's a pretty damn good chance that the Phillies. Like, we're in for a win that game. Yep. And it's not his fault that the team collapsed regularly around him. It's the the, the DeGrom defense. Like, it's not J Jacob DeGrom's fault that he pitches seven complete games in seven shutouts and his team still finds a way to lose all yeah. of them. Like, it's not, you know, but I, I do feel like Zach Wheeler's being punished for being an Iron Man, essentially, and, and having to, to be, like, the face and fulcrum of this team. And I, I think that's that's very frustrating. I think the people that voted, just these like outlier votes, I, I so take their stupid. Votes away. Why are we giving like <laughs> sure Adam Wainwright had a good year? Was it a Cy Young year to where he should have gotten any type of vote? No. Like Adam yeah. Wainwright was good down the stretch when the Cardinals went on an absolute tear and won like seventy thousand games in a row. Outside of that, he was a he was good for his age, and did things that somebody at Adam Wainwright's age typically doesn't do. Should he have gotten Cy Young votes? I don't think so. Should Julio Urias have gotten Cy Young votes? I don't think so. It, it's just so weird why some of these voters do things that they do, and it kind of just shows the the lack of attention to the the broader scape of the sport and why people don't tune into baseball. So, and by the way, Zach Wheeler is 7.6 war. Corbin Burns, let me just get the exact number here, 5.6. That's an average player wins above replacement difference yeah. between the two of them. Like, that's Aaron Nola's war in between Corbin Burns and Zach Wheeler. Yeah. Like, that's a significant amount yeah. of difference. That's not like you're splitting within the same decimal region. Like, like a two-something war is like a starting-level player on a team. That's, I don't know. I just... That's crazy. That's hard to stomach. He deserved it. He got snubbed. Ten votes. Ten votes. Um, it does look like our boy Bryce Harper is going to win the MVP, though. I don't know if you saw the like correlation between people who have won the awards over the past week or so. The the Oscars defense, where if you yeah. win the Screen Actors Guild award, well, even <laughs> that and the people presenting the award to that player or person came from that team's organization which was not the case with the NL Cy Young tonight because Oral Hershiser was presenting and Corbin Burns wins, but Mike Schmidt is presenting the NL MVP. Oh, God. God. Can you imagine? All right. Just ultimate fanfic <laughs> moment. Can you imagine just like prime Mike Schmidt on this team? <laughs> which I know is the dumbest sentence I may have ever said on this show, but can you just imagine like just having Mike Schmidt back? Oh, so many problems would be solved. So many. Defensively, <laughs> offensively.
Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. <laughs> you it's already know. I think that's how it we always went, goes. Like, like, we like, minutes and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Like, who do you think? I mean, it's probably the Yankees, right? But like, like if if you could like just like get like three of your like best players ever and just like download their talent into like a new body, like who 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 comes out best from that? Like in 2021, like right now they decide like, hey, we have figured it out. You get your three best players in history, fill whatever holes you want, whatever you want to do, you get them back. Probably the Yankees. Maybe the Giants, though. If you're getting, like, Barry Bonds back, like, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, prime Barry Bonds, prime Buster Posey. And I don't know, like, pick a pitcher, I and, guess. Like, you know, prime Lincecum. Yeah, like, that's fucking disgusting. <laughs> or prime Brian Wilson as their closer. The Yankees, you could go anywhere. I mean, it, it would work out for the Phillies, too. Yeah. You would have prime Mike Schmidt and take your pick of either – two of the three infielders from the 07-11 era or prime Cole Hamels. Yeah. But you probably would go Schmidt, Rollins, Utley, and then still have Reese Hoskins at first base. I'm going to get myself worked up with this completely unrealistic scenario. <laughs> it's just absolute doofus scenario, which obviously could never happen. But Man. Man, wouldn't that be great? That would be a good experiment for every team. It would. I think that's that's worth. That might be a future episode. Um, but it looks like Bryce is going to win the MVP, which is great. At least we have some some more joy uh, to celebrate with this Phillies team. But it, it's all a matter of this offseason moving forward, and the Phillies continue to be linked to a number of players that they could have had over the past couple of seasons, chose not to go after them, and now. Uh, they'll have the free agent market to go after. But one name that continues to pop up, uh, and I would love to see it, if they can't get Kevin Kiermeyer, bring me Starling Marte on a silver platter. Starling Marte would be great. A Starling silver platter? Uh, Need it. <laughs> would be great. Fixes a lot of your outfield issues as well. He can hit. He'd be great. Take him out of Miami and Oakland, which are just empty voids for hitters. I think he'd get back to where he was hitting when he was with Pittsburgh. He steals bases, which Starling Marte, above all else, he solves two massive deficiencies on this team. He solves your center field problem. He's a great defensive center fielder. And he'd be a phenomenal leadoff hitter for this team, which the Phillies have not had since Jimmy Rollins. One of the 
big victims of like this analytics and like sabermetrics era of baseball is like the death of the steel mm-hmm. and that like there used to be like this big to do in baseball and it's like no one cares anymore if you can steal a base like it's just like it's obviously an important skill but it's not it's it's like if you have 20 stolen bases you had a phenomenal year yeah and that was like guys just have like 70 yeah ricky <laughs> henderson was stealing bases in his sleep like, it was just like all right well let's get back to that sometimes you just gotta abandon the the new mm-hmm. you know like abandon modernity uh, embrace tradition and I've honestly been daydreaming about an outfield of Bryce Harper and right, Marte and left, and our guy and left, or Marte and center and our guy Nick Castellanos and left. His bring, mom liked our Pat tweet. Burrell back. <laughs> His mom liked our tweet clip. Is Pat Burrell making the test tube experiment? Where's Pat Burrell in all this? It's a great question. Where I mean, Pat Burrell is is the modern day DH. It's true. Can't pl- He can't run. Nope. But he could His absolutely mash. Yeah. Left fielders, big. left fielders in the National League are where you stick your DH. Yeah. Pepper, oh man. <laughs> what a weapon. Um, But, I mean, every single day it seems like there's a tweet going out, which it has been in the past, but I feel like it's it's happened more so later on in the offseason, like when the owners' meetings were happening. It's happening in November now, which I feel like we haven't gotten those the Phillies are willing to spend money tweets this early on since the Bryce Harper free agency period when it was Bryce and Manny Machado out there. And it seems like every day there's just more and more smoke around the Phillies ready to spend money. And I find that fascinating. They're also adding a lot more people to this front office, which Matt, we finally got somebody from the Rays organization. <laughs> yeah. We finally got By hook one. or by crook, we made it happen. <laughs> 27 years old, now like the assistant under Dave Dombrowski, going to learn from Dombrowski, coming from Eric Neander and the Rays. When I saw that, I was like, let's go. Yeah, that's a great addition. Howie Kendrick is also. Howie uh, Kendrick, the only Howie we trust in a yeah. front office in Philadelphia, which I declared the, the Phillies have officially won the Howie Kendrick trade. Yes. I don't care that he won a ring with the Nationals. He's in our front office now. <laughs> yeah, we. I think that's a great signing too. Bringing in former players that are kind of like that tight, like Sam Fold being our GM, Howie Kendrick now being in the front, like those type of like depth kind of players that end up being in the front office. I think are like so important because they know the game and they bring that aspect into the front office and help like the nerds and and yeah. the business you people need to balance out the collars and the stat nerds a little bit and i think bringing howie kendrick who's just a, a baseball lifer i think that's such a huge addition to this front office we talked about this over the course of the season that dombrowski was actually making like like i eye raising moves like things are like all right like just revamps the entire scouting department is like this fucking sucked mm-hmm. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just redo all of this you all have failed in ways I can't even describe. You will go down in the textbooks of what not to do when scouting and developing. Yeah. And it's like somehow in an organization that has never scouted and developed well, you have somehow dug deeper <laughs> and found a new trench to get beneath. Dombrowski's done good things so far. Yeah. I think I think he deserves credit for that at the very least, if, if these are indeed his... Uh, his decisions, which they seem to be, 
And it's oddly enough, the guys playing in the Arizona Fall League are up for like every award possible ever since all this comes through. Bryson Stott is tearing the cover off the ball and looks phenomenal. And people are talking about maybe he's the starting shortstop to begin the year. I would like to see it. You and I are both on the record on this show numerous times. Let the kids play. Like that's the whole point of letting these of drafting these prospects, viewing them as untouchable pieces. It's so they can play for you. Let these guys play. Logan O'Hop looks great. Like the Phillies guys playing in the Arizona Fall League are being talked about ad nauseum, which is I I love it. Give me more of it. From all the MLB pipeline accounts, all the the draft scouts, they're like the Phillies three guys out there are playing out of their minds. It's good to be the bell of the ball, you know. It feels nice. It feels <laughs> nice for once. It feels nice for someone to actually be pining after your like uh, developmental guys. That feels good. It's about damn time. Um, but, I mean, overall with, with the Phillies right now, it's just a matter of wait and see if the you know tweets from John Heyman and, and company are true and they're willing to spend money and, and go out and, and do some things to shake things up. The other bit of news that I saw this morning on the timeline – uh, Gene Segura completely like wiping his Instagram and then on his story like asking for privacy. Well, hope everything's okay. Hope everything's okay, and I also hope he's not getting traded because he was arguably like the third best player on this team last year. Very true, very true. But I would also argue that if Gene Segura is your third best player, perhaps that's yeah. why you didn't make the playoffs. Gene is a sixth best player guy. I think you were very and in good a good team. year. He's a top five. Yes. Which he had last year. Right. But the Phillies overall were just not good. Um, I also Still an MVP, though. <laughs> I, uh, I saw a tweet, and I wanted to pick your brain about it, too. Somebody said Reese Hoskins is going to get MVP votes in 2022. No shot. I love Reese. We are pro-Reese on this show. Not saying – didn't, they didn't say first-place votes, but they just said he'll no get shot. MVP votes. The only way I understood the argument, and it, I think they were coming at it from a – this is what MVP means is like, look at what happened when Reese Hoskins was out of the Phillies lineup and when he was in and how much it changed. You need national attention for that. But I, I agree. But I, I understood the argument in a sense of where, yeah, Reese, Reese's bat alone was so valuable to this team that when he was gone, they fell apart. The MVP as that is being described is definitely some people's interpretation of what most valuable player actually means, which is not always necessarily your best player Mm -hmm. statistically dominant season. It is sometimes the guy who, when he's not playing, the team seems to crumble and not have a direction. Um, Reese would never get that attention. And unless he was going on like what he was doing in double a and hitting like moonshot home runs night in and night out hitting 50 home runs, which, I mean, I think that power is in there. It's just a matter of Reese being consistent, which we haven't seen. The consistency has not been there for him. And I, I just – He's a streaky player, which yes. is fine. But that also should signal to the Phillies front office you need to get guys to protect him in the lineup and I mean, protect Bryce, Bryce in the lineup. Bryce is technically yeah. a streaky player, too. It's just Bryce's highs are incredible, and his lows really aren't that bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Where Reese's lows – can be are bad almost unplayable yeah like there have been a few times over the course of, of reese's tenure where it's like i'm not sure you can play this guy tonight he's, which is why i'm he's curious. batting one 115 in his last 30 <laughs> which is why i'm curious if 
and when the the DH comes in the National League and Reese Hoskins is your de facto DH, how much kind of pressure of him playing the field comes off of his shoulders and he can just worry about hitting and how good he can be. I think he'd make a great DH. But it also feels like we've been saying when the DH comes to the NL for like five years. I think it's supposed to happen next year. Well, if we have baseball next year. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Sixers, though, Matt, in this segment of – the team falling off a cliff is brought to you by our friends at Play Pickup. Don't know his, don't know his sixer. <laughs> Had a six pack. <laughs> don't know his sixer. You guys can go to playpickup.com, start playing the hottest headlines in sports uh, with our friends at Pickup. You earn points, cash them in for prizes. I got my cross net ready to rock and roll when the cold, dreary months are over. And uh, Kyle, it's gonna be seventy tomorrow, so you know. Yeah, but the sun will only be up till like two thirty. So that's also true. That's a bummer. Uh, Got my CrossNet, which not a sponsor. They do have a Kickstarter for CrossNet for soccer. Um, so, I mean, CrossNet, if you want to come through and sponsor this show, top bins, you know, we are more than open to that. But go to playpickup.com now. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. Matt, the Sixers are just falling off a cliff um, after going like 8-2 and two over the last a 10-game stretch. They've now lost five in a row. So, I was curious about this. Um, I wanted to look up the – the offensive and defensive rating for the Sixers because, yeah, they started out great, 8-2. and two. Team is humming. Now you have the uh, health and safety protocol, which, by the way, Doc said isn't his business to understand. Um, and it, <laughs> it's a bunch of – I think he called it clutter, which is like, I don't know, man, kind of seems like integral to your job, actually, if your franchise player is unable to play. Coming from the guy who's doing – vaccine commercials it just feels like a weird Christ. thing to have said i understand we shouldn't harp on every word that someone says in a press conference but it just felt like a weird yeah. a weird response it's like actually i would worry a little bit about when Joel and b is coming back maybe more uh, apparently waiting on a date for matisse on when he can actually return but mb doesn't seem close uh they Which said he is... needs to return uh, i think it's two negative mm-hmm. tests and be symptom free um so it seems like the rest of this road trip is going to go as the last five have gone, in which you just get absolutely crushed. Last night you get embarrassed on national TV by the Jazz, which sucks, and it doesn't get any better. Because you play on national TV, the Denver Nuggets, and Nikola Jokic is just going to absolutely feast. Um, but Tyrese Maxey will put up forty-seven points, which is great. Well, so well that's if we're not just uh, force feeding Shake Milton <laughs> with his like twenty-seven oh, percent usage God. right now. Obscene. He's getting Russell Westbrook usage and uh, Jesus. Okay, so offensive rating and defensive rating on the season currently. An offensive rating of 112 and defensive rating 110. Not bad. The defensive rating could definitely be better. But so with Embiid to start the season, everyone's healthy. Sixers are playing great. That was 116 offensive rating and 104 defensive rating. That was the best offensive rating in the league. And it was a top 10 defensive rating. It's fantastic. Started the year great. Sixers have historically never been like a top offensive rating team. They've mm-hmm. rarely even been in like the top 10. It's just not a place that they found themselves, even in some of their best stretches. Without Embiid and others, right? It wasn't just Embiid. Matisse Seibel definitely factors into one of these stats, I would say. They have 106 offensive rating and 117.9 defensive rating. That is the third worst defense. And a bottom 10 offense. They have been a lottery team. And we highlighted this at the beginning of the season. When you're missing Ben 
through all of this, you're one Embiid injury away from being a truly hellacious team, like bad team. And that is rung true in the most unfortunate of ways because you started out so well and it's all been undone. And it reminds me a lot of the Heat last year mm-hmm. where the Heat had similar issues with, with COVID protocols and it was a different situation, of course, because there was no vaccine and stuff. But they, they had a lot of guys missing through COVID. They had some really unlucky injuries. You know, the Heat you know, definitely suffered for that. And you go into the playoffs as, as, a, as a lower seed than, than what the, you would really expect them to be. And I worry that, like, obviously Embiid is going to return at a point. This isn't like an injury where it's like, who knows when he's back. But he's not returning very likely for the rest of this road trip, it seems. I don't have any hope at all that you win a game without him. And at some point, the math becomes hard to outrun. And when you've lost this many games, you just can't undo that. Yeah. Like, unless you're going 30-0, and 0, like, you're just not, <laughs> you're not fixing what's already been done. And, yeah, now you're 8-7, and seven, fin- like, you're... You're on the the, the cusp. The eight seat. <laughs> right. Like, and it's just been like, it's so frustrating because part of it too is like out of your control. Yeah. Like there's an, it's not like there's no one to blame here. There's like, there's nothing. What can you even say? It's just like, all right, well like COVID protocols and this is what just what everyone has to live under. But it feels like the Sixers besides the heat have just been screwed by this more than, <laughs> and I don't know if that speaks to, uh, an organizational letdown and that they're not properly following protocol or something within their own team. I don't know. I don't want to make that assumption, but like you had the, the fiasco last year where Tyrese Maxey has to step up and they have to dress an injured Mike Scott to play. Um, it's very, very frustrating. And it hasn't helped either that the offense is just completely degraded. Yeah. And looks, I mean, listen, after the hot start that everyone had to the season, I think it was only natural for there to be some kind of regression, but hits at the worst possible time. I mean, just the, the worst time. And of course, when all of this is happening, the Sixers are struggling. Everyone's like, oh, we need some help. And then of course, that's when the rumors start swirling and the Sacramento Kings are in turmoil. The New Orleans Pelicans are in turmoil and they need to defensive stopper because they no longer have Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday. Thoughts on the recent... Uh... We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me Dom Ponteri and Harrison Cremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Everybody just trying to Charlie Day connect dots to the New Orleans Pelicans and the Sacramento Kings. Which we've said on the record on this show, nothing can be taken seriously until December 15th. December 15th is, and for, for anyone unaware, that is when players signed to new contracts this past summer can be traded. Right now, if you signed a contract within the last X amount of months, going back to July, you cannot be traded. There, there's a, a time limit on when you are available to trade, right? So if you were signed in July, you cannot be moved by your team until December 15th. 
that excludes a large portion of the potential trade pool and matching contracts because you're dealing with a max contract too when you're talking about Ben Simmons. That's a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. That's it, and that's why I was so pessimistic about a trade happening because you're. It's like the calculus for going to the moon. At some point, it get the margins get so thin that you need like just so many things to go right. You need like the most precise engineering possible, and that's what this Ben Simmons situation has turned into. Where it's like, okay, well, like. Until these things open up, until we get like a a clear sky over Fort Lauderdale, we're not launching. Like you know, like it's just not. There's no shot for it. So, um, as far as like what you're getting back in a trade, as far as what that even looks like, it's so hard to say because I don't foresee anyone from the Pelicans that you're like firmly interested in. Brandon Ingram is at least intriguing, but like I'm also imagining. Brandon Ingram, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry. Defensively, that team is just getting shredded. Like I, I don't like. I just think there's there's a lot of issues. And with Brandon Ingram, it's like you already have Tobias here. You already have Matisse here. Like yeah, I I think there's there's some issues fit wise. Yeah, and I have felt all along. That you obviously hope for Ben to be moved for like a big difference maker. And that's clearly mm-hmm. been Daryl's opinion prerogative. as well. Which is not the wrong prerogative, by the way. No. I, I don't understand everyone being so neg here's all right, so here's let me lay this out. If Daryl traded Ben this summer, that was potentially I think the most short sighted thing you could do. Mm-hmm. Because you're not exploring all your options that way, and I don't think you're giving it a true chance to see like, all right, where does this like actually go? And what can I actually get for Ben Simmons? Cause you're not, you're not, you're not really doing your homework by doing that. You're just being a prisoner of the moment and you're probably getting a worse deal. There's no shot in July or August that you're trading for another top player and getting him. No one's available. It's not happening and you can't make the contracts work. While that does not guarantee that in January or February of this year, you are able to do that, there is at least a chance you could. And with the NBA, we've talked about this so many times, about how every year there's an all-star, a superstar that demands a trade. This time it's Ben Simmons. (laughs) And all the time, every few months now, there are guys that decide they want out, that the season takes a turn that maybe people didn't expect, and they want out. They want a different situation. And it would be dumb to give up Ben without exploring some of those options and some of those potential chances. So I I think Daryl has done the right thing in waiting. I know that people have been really critical of him asking for so much, which again, I'm highly skeptical of so many of the reports. I've never in my life seen so many reports about trades with so much detail as you did with all of, uh, all of the, uh, the Daryl Morey trades and the Ben Simmons trades. There was that fake one going around too. That was like the fake NBA central account mm-hmm. that everyone believed where like they asked for uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart and like four picks and everyone believed it because it's like, I just think, I, I think the Sixers are in though, like undoubtedly the most difficult position you could ask for because there's a leverage issue. And now apparently there's reports that the Sixers organization itself is like split with what to do about Ben. Some people want to like bring him back in. Some people want to just 
be completely rid of the situation and move on. Um, I think the Sixers are doing the best they can to get value out of him and not just trade him for the sake of trading him mm-hmm. just to be gone with the headache. Um, and that's, I mean, all you can do, it sucks because everyone wants to speculate on it. Everyone wants to have their two cents, but the truth of it is, and the part that's so frustrating is it doesn't matter. Nope. It doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't even matter what my opinion is because that doesn't change it. And it's also, nothing's going to change for at least a month. And even then it's not like, Oh, on December 15th, they'll be traded. No. Don't worry. It's like, until that date comes, it's not even a possibility. So you, you kind of just have to, to suck it up <laughs> um, and, and, and wait. The, uh, the last bit of NBA jargon that I wanted to uh, bring up because we truly live in a hellscape, Matt. Uh, oh, my God. How do you know where this is going? The iconic Staples Center is being renamed as of Christmas Day to a certain moneylaundering.com arena. And if you listen to this show, you know what we're talking about. It's also the Sixers jersey patch sponsor. Because of course it is. The best tweet I saw about it was the Lakers and Clippers arena being renamed that is the weird pocket dimension that Marty McFly created in Back to the Future 2. It's the Crypto.com arena. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? Couldn't they have made it like the Crypto.com center at least? Like make it like an alliteration? Just. It's one of the true abominations of our time. I mean, I seriously mean it. I think it's one of the most disgusting. And if they paid actual U.S. dollars for the naming rights, they're frauds. Right. I thought the whole point of cryptocurrency was that cash wasn't real anymore and that it's not backed by anything either and that it's all going to be coins, non-fungible tokens or whatever. So why would you pay? Do you think? Do you think that they took crypto as exchange? No. I bet you they're paying in, in settlements of U.S. dollars, American mm-hmm. currency. Millions and millions. Apparently, millions it's like the dollars. biggest, uh, the most equitable ever, uh, like, naming rights. Which is just... It just sucks. It's just... A, it's so just, gross. First of all, I hate the, like, the very American thing to do, which is, like, obviously have to sell the naming rights. Just, it's already, like, exhausting. Mm-hmm. Like, it just kind of sucks, like come on but like it's even worse when it's just so like shameless and not even like the crypto.com arena is the lamest thing i've ever heard in my life i hate the whole cryptocurrency nft nonsense it is the most exhausting thing i okay so i i I tried to mute words i have to actually look it up and learn how to mute words on twitter because there's like some things on here that i just i can't take like reading anymore i actually got like upset because there was someone that i like i like that was like uh joined like this like network this like podcast network and i was like oh that sounds cool and then i saw that he had one of those like the monkeys Mm -hmm. one of those nft monkeys as his like profile pic i was like oh this guy sucks okay well not interested anymore it's like true like it is diseased my brain and dumb as shit there's even more reason to understand why religion not to offend anybody but religion is stupid i don't know if you saw this it's from uh clickhole.com at clickhole on the twitter machine shamelessly cashing in 
The Vatican just sold an NFT of oh Jesus dressed as the Joker drinking Bang Energy for $3.2 million. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> The Vatican. <laughs> I feel like I'm... I feel like I've been drugged. I feel like we are going to become the Joker. I truly feel like I've been drugged. And this is like some sort of like... I'm actually existing in the 60s and I'm part of like the MK Ultra program. <laughs> and this is just like... I just... I, f- like, I feel like our grip on reality is loosening every single day. That is one of the most insane sentences I've ever heard in my life. That the Vatican <laughs> just sold for $3.2 million an NFT of Jesus Christ dressed as the Joker <laughs> drinking Bang Energy. That is, an, that is a Mad Lib come to life. That's worse than a Mad Lib. That is, like... I can't even process that sentence. That makes cards Who against the Vatican man? is, like, commissioning that work? Like, was it a cardinal? Like... Uh, in my spare time, I do the NFT. Like, I'm Italian. I can make that. I can do that accent. I'm allowed. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. Do they Jesus put different Christ. colors smoke out? It's like, oh, we have a new <laughs> NFT idea. Yeah, purple smoke. Purple smoke means NFT. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. That is, I, it's like that, uh, Billy Madison. Is yes. Like, <laughs> what you just said is one of those wildly inaccurate things. <laughs> At no point in your incoherent rambling did you even come close to answering the question. I award you no points. <laughs> May God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> Everyone in this room is now stupider for having listened to what you had to say. That is just one of that's. I I truly can't process that sentence. One of the... one of the most ridiculous sentences I've ever heard in my life. Yep. When is the White House going to start like commissioning NFTs of like dead presidents? <laughs> Hey, now you can get FDR without the wheelchair slugging back rum on the beach. NFT. Yeah, $7.2 billion. This is going to fund our new F-22 Raptor program. We need more jets. Selling NFTs of JFK in the back of the car. Here's Abe and Mrs. Lincoln out at dinner before the play. Yeah, we reimagined all the, uh, the presidents as hippos. It's a hype hippos. It's the new NFT. Lazy lion president's coming at you. Stupid as shit. <laughs> and you know someone's going to do it. Yeah. I saw somebody take a compilation of every like lazy lion on the internet and <laughs> piece it together as a right click. That's what's unbelievable. To, like, And the thing is, it's so hard to, to tell like when someone's like part of the bit and is like, uh, genuinely, like when they're upset about like someone, mm-hmm. like you can't do that. That's my property. You can't right click save. Like what, that's messed up. And like when, when someone's doing a bit, or when someone's like actually like upset about it, it's it is the, the most like we are gonna have to reckon with this in the future and explain yeah. it to someone. Like we're gonna have to explain to someone how people were spending millions of dollars on a picture online. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life, and I I. What I don't get is, like, these major companies, the NBA, the Vatican, are, like, co-signing this shit. Like, it, I just, I don't get, I get, it, listen, 
I know that as you get older, the world starts to pass you by. I feel like 27 is too soon for me to be this <laughs> this disconnected. And it's not even like this is like a Gen Z thing no. that I'm just not getting. Like, oh, the it's... kids are dyeing their hair purple. I don't get it. It's like, no. Like, am I the only rational person left that, like, I'm looking at this and, like, I feel like Mugatu in Zoolander. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. That I, I, I'm looking at this every day on Twitter. I'm like, this is just insane. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. You cannot. There, there's no planet. There's no gravity sequence you could put me under. There's no drug you could put me under that would ever convince me that this makes sense. Nope. And it's not a scam. It's all a scam. Bitcoin, scam. Scam. NFTs, a scam. Money Cryptocurrency laundry. in general is just a scam. You're not making money on it. You're not. T- Listen, no one is going to DM you or no one is going to sell you a crypto coin. No one's going to sell you a do coin that's going to turn into $20 million next no. month. That's not reality. I'm sorry. It doesn't exist. Nope. The Vatican is selling. Jesus. How is that like that? How is the Vatican like okaying that? Jesus Christ is like the guy in the, the Catholic faith. And they're like, yeah, let's just dress him up as the Joker. Let's make him look like Heath Ledger. This the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Absolutely insane. And then I saw a tweet, too, where uh, there's a quote-unquote Bitcoin mine now uh, running off of uh, wind and solar power. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports team's Go to work, and with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Yeah, so I I can't even get into that. I can't even do that today. I can't even do the environmental (laughs) impact of... That's a whole a different Bitcoin podcast that we'll be starting at a later date. Uh, but let's get into our buffs and stuff survivor segment, Matt. Uh, last week, some crazy pills were taken. Uh, things went wild. We got more uh, Heather confessionals than we have all season put together. And uh, it feels like this season of Survivor is finally, like, full throttle underway. Yeah, um... Kind of a lame duck vote, you know, saying bye to Tiffany. That sucks. And what I mean by lame duck is, like, it just felt like the obvious vote. Not that Tiffany herself was a lame mm-hmm. duck. It just felt like, all right, well, there was some action at least. Uh, we finally got to hear Heather talk uh, for more than just, like, the intro to the season. So that was cool. Felt like she was going to have some big moment, and then it just went absolutely nowhere. It was a meh episode in the context of this season. I do think that this was like a good bridge episode because mm-hmm. I have a feeling that in tonight's ep- you know show we're going to see some of what started to happen 
in this one really like actually develop mainly Deshaun seeming disinterest in pursuing any more like alliance with Shan. Um, because if there's one thing we learned about Deshaun is that he loathes being told what to do. Which <laughs> and we I don't, finally saw that on display. I don't blame him because I don't even think he's overreacting no. when he was uh, upset with, with Shan. Just, Shan was not listening to him. She was being a bad ally and mm-hmm. like a bad, I don't want to say friend because I don't want to like put that on her. But like she was not hearing him properly. And yes. then she was like, she makes a comment like, I guess I have to learn how to hear people. And it's like, Come you don't, Shan has... I know we're, I'm skipping ahead to the bottom three, oh, top yeah. three thing here, but Shan has really dropped for me because totally. she seems, and again, I don't want to be too critical. They're starving. I think Shan brought up a great point with Ricard. It's like, hey, you just got back from a ward. You don't get to eat papaya. <laughs> like you don't, that's like, I'm not a fan of unwritten rules. No. I think they're stupid. If they're unwritten, just write them if they're that important. But like when you go on reward and survivor, you don't eat afterward, like, unless, like, I don't know. Like, it's the first time we've ever, like, even heard that conceptualized either. Yeah, like, it's just that you don't do it. Like, even if it's, like, a tiny little shred, it's, like, you just kind of, you know, you have your guilt. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Um, I do, th- I just, I think she has really lost it a little bit. Yeah, she, she started off hot and then kind of just, it all, like, came to a peaking point where it was just her and Ricard left on the original green tribe. Um, and now it's just like, she's trying to like realize she's not the top dog in the overall it's game. like going from the minors to the majors. Mm-hmm. It's like, she was like mashing at triple a. And now you've gotten called up and you, you haven't, you haven't had a good time of it. I just, yeah, I, th- I think she's struggled a bit. And I, she's and what's weird is like Shan is still like a like a good player in this yeah. game. I think still has like the potential to win all of it. But she's like just so aggressive. She like steamrolls conversation a lot, and just, like I understand what she was trying to say, and I, I I get the idea of like wanting to sound out different opinions is definitely important. But you can't, like, shut down your alliance members, especially when they're making, like, a pretty, like, what I thought was compelling case to get Nasir out and that he's likable. People would vote for Nasir if he got to, uh, you know, the final three, which we don't know it's a final three either, by the way. Yeah. In a season of twists. Let's not, let's not seree ourselves, <laughs> you know? Let's, let's not, let's like convince ourselves that it's a final three, right? Like, we, we don't know. But they they looked at Nasir and thought like this is a guy who could win. He has an idol. He could win challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know this is like a more older Survivor thing. Whether they used to say like they could go on a run of challenges. Like that was a common thing that you heard about the Colbys of the world. Um, Nasir could do that, and I think they were right to maybe at least have a conversation. Maybe you don't vote Nasir out. Perhaps Shan is right. It's too early. You might need his his vote for mm-hmm. later. You don't want to like disenfranchise him, but. I think it was reasonable to want to have that discussion. And she was like shutting it down, not having it. And I think, I think that's where like the friction is coming between those two. And I, I had felt, I I'd said last time that I felt that Deshaun and Danny and Liana and Shan, while they are in this alliance together, they, and they were frequently talking and strategizing together. And I still think that they have a belief in a future for the game together. 
they still have felt like two separate duos Mm -hmm. just kind of together because it makes sense almost like out of convenience yeah rather than like true like we are together till the end this is the final four they all like both of like both sides of that feel like they are have no issue in like pushing each other away like and and if that means winning the game which i mean ultimately if you're at a bottom four too like that's still like someone has to win (laughs) yeah and that's that's what bugs me too about perhaps the way this season is going is that you see this sometimes where like and i'm glad that heather like at least seemingly put up a fight and like perhaps is interested in switching who knows erica as well there's no point in finishing like fifth or sixth if you can at least make a push to maybe finish in the top four maybe you can Mm -hmm. get yourself a final tribal like and you can be rewarded for that like go for it like i i just don't get the point of being like strung along at at a point you have to realize that like you are not going to win if you continue down this path and like yeah you probably won't win either if you flip but like it's a zero percent chance now you might only have a two percent chance if you like make something happen but you probably should try something 100 percent. and uh speaking of buffs and snuffs uh pandering last week after the episode Sears wife followed our survivor account on the Twitter machine. Um, so now we, uh, that feels like another vote of confidence for Nasir, you know, continuing to go on this epic reign of, uh, you know, dominance that he's been on. But Matt, our top three, bottom three, we already mentioned Shan. I agree with you. I think Shan is completely entrenched in my bottom three until she proves otherwise. Uh, but who would you have in your top three? Has anything changed from last week? Man, this is a tough one. Uh, Deshaun and Danny, I think, are still in my my two of my top yeah. three here. Uh, it's hard to see it any other way. Deshaun again. I don't think the vote went necessarily how he wanted. I think he was upset, and that worries me a little bit. Like, hey, man, yeah, being told what to do definitely sucks, and I yeah. can see how like it's frustrating for him. But you got to like also like sometimes. You just have to have a cold exterior. Mm-hmm. And I do worry sometimes Deshaun seems to like let it affect me. But it's easy for me to say. Way very easy yeah. for me to say in my situation. You know, I'm not starving on a beach. <laughs> so, but you know, I, I do if, in an ideal world, I could like be in Deshaun's ear and like, hey man, it's all good. Yeah. You know, just We're roll fine. with it. We're you fine. got this. You're smart. You can figure it out. <laughs> and Danny, I think, is just like Teflon Don here. Yes. Just somehow like Teflon Dan. Teflon Danny. Like he just, he somehow escapes criticism votes like the, the, the 10th degree. Like he just seems to, to get through it all. And I think that's a credit to him. I don't think that's by luck. I yeah. think he makes his own luck. I hesitate to put this person in my top three because I think they could go home tonight and at any point because I think they're very much on the bottom. Xander still has his idol somehow, probably because Ricard had maybe the worst <laughs> attempt at trying to get someone to use their idol that I've ever seen. Play your idol. Play your you idol. You should play your idol. I think you should play your idol. Still play your idol. Okay, you're good, but I think play your idol. Just be safe. It's like that could not have been more transparent oh there are glass window panes that were less transparent than that that is like the most obvious attempt to get someone to use their idol i've ever seen in my life i think xander though has played well i think we saw some great he's like thinking so well Mm -hmm. like we're getting good insight to him i thought when he was like stepping up to remove himself from the war i was like don't do that bro you're starving like come on 
Um, but then his idea was that it's always better to be with the losers because they're more likely to be like downtrodden and like you can kind of relate to those more. Mm -hmm. And he was close. He didn't know it, but he was close to finding an yep. advantage that they hid at the sit-out bench. Um, so for me, Xander is in a tough spot. I will say this, though. Despite being in a tough spot, he is like the most like ceiling I yeah. think of anyone. Like he could sweep a final totally tribal. I think I really th like. I think if Xander like could make it to a final tribal in a right situation, like without a Deshaun or Danny, I think next to him at this point, I think probably no one else gets a vote against like in opposition to him because I think he would just be. First of all, we've seen him be very, very like eloquent when he speaks. It clearly like that statement like really opened me up to like to what a lot of that he said this season where like he is thinking in just a different way and I think he has a good social game. People seem to like him. That's why people want to vote him out. Yep. But he has a very like the path for him is very narrow. And And now everybody else that gets voted out, because we saw last week when Tiffany got voted out, she's the first member of the jury. So everybody else now right. has interacted with Xander and will be determining who ends up winning the the entire game yeah so that's that's my top three my bottom three i don't know if i want to put shannon in the bottom three because i think she still has like good good game left heather and erica are mainstays at this point uh, it's hard for me to personally bring them out of that dungeon um and it's probably Liana still in that bottom three i didn't we didn't see anything in that episode that convinced me that she moves out of there mm -hmm. um chan i worry about I really do because I think she can get got easily she, and not see it. She coming. could get voted out. She could also potentially, I don't know this, but she could be like someone that maybe just through the course of all this kind of rubs people the wrong way mm -hmm. and gets taken to the final three and no one votes for like, yeah. everyone's just like, listen, like, sorry, I'm not like, talking to you. And listen, if it's true too, that Ricard was, if, if you believe this, who knows? Right. But if Ricard really was the mastermind and he sells people that, and maybe they're more aware of like, who's, done what then maybe she doesn't even get taken seriously yeah. I, I don't know that that's the case right but i'm just saying like thinking about shan potentially as a final three like option you know for someone um but i do worry about her her place in the game because if you're like rifting with like one of your big allies here like that's an issue and she yeah. said ricard was still her number one last week which is so strange bizarre because liana uh, question mark yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I agree with like that bottom three and plus one of Shan. I think Ricard can even be thrown in there just because like, he's such a wild card that like anything could happen with him. Uh, and then my top three, both Danny, Deshaun, and then I have Nasir in there because he's just been on a, an absolute tear. Um, seems to like be as the episodes go on and the more we see of him, he's adapting more and more to the social aspect of the game as well. And kind of realizing like, I shouldn't be waking up at 4am to talk strategy. Um, I think Nasir is on a a trajectory to where he could get to a final three. The only thing that worries me about Nasir is that he does not seem to have like an alliance. Mm -hmm. He seems like definitely in with like the Luvu and like they all seem at least like comfortable talking and, and talking strategy with each other. And he's been in like strategic conversations, but there's no like oh like Nasir. He's the sitting. swing vote. Yes. Which is like Hey, could be powerful. Works for Sandra. Anyone but me. Like you know, like that. that and I like how position he works. But um, last week when they were like using him as like the dummy name, he was like, "No, don't put my name out there." And I completely agree. Yeah, I think no. And, and that was, I think, another mistake by Shan. Like, probably should like 
it is i don't think it's ever worked in survivor history where you tell someone where you tell someone that they're going home mm-hmm. or you tell someone hey like your name's gonna be out there like you know like that's just especially if you tell them with time to like plan like it's just a it's just it rubs people the wrong way yep. and i think it, it just sends the wrong message even if it's not the message you're trying to convey like no one wants to be the name out there especially in a season where everyone technically has this shot in the dark idol possibility it's not even like oh they might have an idol i could get idled out no like someone could play their shot in the dark and one in six is not crazy odds nope like no one wants to go out to that like yeah you could be the the freaking like wiki trivia but like <laughs> no one wants to be that um so we're gonna get ready to watch this week's episode make sure you follow at buffs and snuffs on twitter for all of our survivor updates uh and be sure to follow us across social media you can follow matt on twitter at matt castarina you can follow me at kbizzl 311 and follow the network and this show at underground phi on twitter and instagram check out the website undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com for all of our written content kitchen dm uh, recipes going to be up on the blog from here on out. Dom and Monica cooking up some stuff on the Instagrams. Uh, so you'll have recipes for football Sundays throughout the week. Food content coming to the underground uh, courtesy of Chef Harry Ape. And uh, you can also subscribe, 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 be a friend, tell a friend, subscribe to the podcast feed. Uh, leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let's get to 300 Apple podcast reviews by the end of the year. We're at 269. Let's make it at 265 five stars. So 35 more by the end of the year seems very doable. Let us know how you feel about the new Fanatic being back, or the new Fanatic being gone, old Fanatic uh, now back in the fold. How you feel about uh, Zach Wheeler getting snubbed of the Cy Young, Bryce Harper, MVP favorite. Uh, we'll find that out on Friday. And be sure to follow us on Twitter uh, because we might have something rocking and rolling for Bryce Harper winning the MVP when and if that comes true. And uh, you can also check us out on Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. But leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Big thank you to our sponsors, Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro, Foot Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Mark Ronchetti CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. Our friends at Tomahawk Shades, get that Black Friday shopping, rocking and rolling with Tomahawk Shades. Go to TomahawkShades.com, fill up your cart with sunglasses, blue light glasses, and everything in between. And use promo code USP at checkout to get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the Vodka Soda Party Packs and the Black Label Bourbon now in stock at StatesideVodka.com. Got to be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And our friends at Kenwood Beer. Use the Kenny Tracker at KenwoodBeer.com to see who's got Kenwood on tap. Got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 378. For Matt, I'm KB. We're going to go see if the Vatican has new smoke coming out of it for a a new uh, stupid NFT. But until then, we'll catch you guys later. Subscribe, follow the Twitch channel as well, twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi, and we'll catch you guys here next week. Peace. I'm looking for the people's chance.